Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine this. You're stranded on an island forever. But don't freak out because you get to bring one dish with you. Your desert island dish. What is it? Every week, your hosts, Paul and Tegan, that's us. Hello. Hello. We'll ask this question. They'll chat with and torment a literal raft of guests on the island who'll dish up stories, gossip, and culinary secrets. But they all have one big thing in common. They bloody love food. Welcome to Dish Island. Hope you're having a good week, everyone. Tegan, this is a food podcast. It is indeed, Paul. Now, I happen to know for a fact that you've been experimenting in the kitchen a little bit, (laughs) which sounds so dark. I have, though. I've been trying to nail Swiss meringue buttercream. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason I gave this a go is because, like many people in Australia, during lockdown, I started following the Instagram account of Miss Trixie Drinks Tea. She is a cake wizard. I love her posts, and all of her cakes feature this really fluffy thick-looking, gorgeous icing, and I did some research, and it's Swiss meringue buttercream. Turns out it's really hard to nail because you've got to cook off the egg whites with the sugar before you whip them up into a frenzy. I gave it a shot, and I think I did okay, but the sugar didn't quite melt down in that first cooking off section. It was a bit grainy, but I will say this. I have pretty high standards for cake. I ate, I think, two-thirds of this thing. You did. Yeah, it was really good. You really must stop doing that. But if anybody out there does make Swiss meringue buttercream on a regular basis, why was my buttercream still grainy? Please help me out. What have you been cooking? Well, I've been making a lot of hummus. I mean, a lot (laughs) of hummus. Now, the problem with hummus is, first of all, if you haven't made your own, you have to try it. You really need to. I didn't realize it was so easy. No, it's easy. It always tastes better. You can play with the kind of flavor profiles a little bit. And... Just roast the garlic before you put the garlic in. You cannot roast the garlic if you choose. Yeah. It's not a deal breaker, mm. but it's so much better if you roast the garlic. Agreed. But this is an appeal to any medical experts listening to the show. How much hummus is too much to imbibe from a medical safety perspective. I'm not a doctor. And I think in this day and age, it's really clear to draw that line between what is my opinion and what is medical advice. Mm -hmm. That said, you're eating too much hummus. And I know this because of- Shut up. So (laughs) look, full disclosure, everyone. Tegan and I live in a fairly small apartment. It's pretty small. Yeah. And if you're eating hummus four to five times a day for three or four days- and it's the weather's bad outside, so you can't really ventilate. <laughs> Jesus. Things have gotten a bit bit swampy. Oh, God, Paul. Yeah. Well, you know. How the- do we segue from swampy into our guest, who is the absolute opposite of swampy? I think you just did. She is glittering and glowing. She she is a beacon of hope and joy for Australians around the country. She's not swampy. You know, if we'd started with the farts and gone to the cake, at least it would have been sort of a gradual incline towards the splendor that is our guest. Instead, we've gone cake, farts, and we're going straight back <laughs> to our guest this week. And you know what? I think we should just introduce her, because she's 
absolutely incredible. And maybe she'll distract people from the stuff I just talked about. You've done this woman no justice, Paul. No justice. Hopefully my introduction does. Our next guest is an incredible singer-songwriter taking out an iconic win in season five of X Factor. She's topped the charts countless times. She's represented Australia at Eurovision and is currently appearing on the brand new season of Celebrity MasterChef. Please welcome Dami Im. Dami, welcome to Dish Island. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, everyone has a different means of arriving on the island, so we're just kind of curious as to how you actually got here today. Uh, oh, uh, I got here by madly clicking on links and hoping this works. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm really glad I made it. The most honest arrival on our island yet, and frankly, one that didn't involve violence, which lately has become a very different thing for us. So, yeah, yay! Darren Hayes got kidnapped. It was it was very confronting. Oh, so. Very confronting. <laughs> oh my! I feel very unimaginative. But <laughs> no, you're fine. Well, look, you've you've got every excuse in the world because you are just putting all of your creativity and imagination into Celebrity Master Chef, which launched this week, of course. That's right. Now. You know, we don't need to look far to realize that you are a a bit of a foodie and food is an important part of your life. But how much of a role does food play in your day-to-day existence? Do you you like me? Are you just thinking about it all the time? Are you thinking about it right now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've always been obsessed with food, but I didn't really know that was unusual until I started to meet other people who weren't like that. You know, our family, we just... When we get up in the morning, we talk about like, I mean, we always have a big breakfast together and and, and we talk about what we're going to eat f- next, you know, and as we're eating the next meal, we talk about the next meal. And it's just like, and, and like now my mom and dad are in Korea and I'm, you know, obviously not there with them, but we always like ask, I call them and, you know, what did you have? What did you eat for lunch? Like we just, that that's our conversation. So all we ever talk about is food, what we're going to have next and the way we keep in touch is we send each other what we just ate. Like, and I, I thought everybody did that, but then someone told me that's really weird. I'm like, oh. I don't think it's weird. I think it's great. Yeah. And then I, I, you know, like when I care about someone, like when I become friends with someone, or I think I did, I send them pictures of my food and they go, dude, that's really weird. Don't do that. I'm like, oh. I thought you cared about me. <laughs> Do you send any context or is it just completely caption-free photos of food, like really creepy stuff? Uh, oh, it depends, like, how far into the relationship I'm in, you know? <laughs> like, if I'm sort of new, I'd be like, hey, uh, yeah, uh, like tacos, you know? Or <laughs> if I just send, like, if I'm close enough, I'll just send it to them and you you know, you expect a reaction because the food is amazing. This is the sort of online communication that I fully endorse. Like, I believe I've not dated for a very, very long time, but I believe most people are gauging any sort of relationship by horrible nude photos of one another. (laughs) You're just like, I'm going to send you a photo of tacos and this now means we're in love. Gosh, I wish we could all just do food now. Food should be how we communicate. Less dick pics, more snack pics, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah, dick pics are gross, but yeah. (laughs) Thank mm. you. <laughs> actual eggplants. Let's send photos of actual yes, eggplants. Please. Yes, yes, cooked and seasoned. <laughs> I've got to ask, Paul and I feel that during lockdown, 
because we were the same. All we spoke about was food. A lot of what we think about is food, and it has ramped up even more now. Have you found that, or perhaps as being away from your parents, because I know you're really close with your family, has that really complicated your relationship with food in lockdown? Yeah. So before lockdown, like last year, my mom sort of traveling back and forth uh, between Korea and Australia, and when she's in. Australia, mm. she would cook every meal for us, me and my husband, like, which is a bit weird, but like, that's her thing. Like, she loves cooking. So she, she actually got stuck in Australia because COVID happened while she was here. And, and so, like, the actually, it's a long story. Like, we had to really try hard to send her back to where dad was. And then once she went back, yeah, and all of a sudden I had to do all the cooking and that's I guess that's when I really got to experiment and try and replicate all the beautiful things that she used to make. So, yeah, like I I love I love it. I love that I I have more time to cook and I have the space to cook and yeah, it's been good. We were talking to Melissa Leong and she basically had this sort of moment where she we basically asked her point blank, dummy, whether she thought she could cook her mum's dishes better than her mum could. Ooh. Do you have this sort of, are you competitive, uh, you know, cooking stuff that you were raised on by your mum? Or do you think she, you're never going to top her cooking? Man, I, oh, that's like, that's so, so rude. But <laughs> <laughs> no, because like, you, you know, like she's the star chef in our family, you know, whenever I try to cook something, she'd sort of. Like, you know, it's like I'd rather her not be there because she'd keep, like, telling me, oh, that's not how it's done. Like, but I do feel like, look, like, I'm not as experienced as her, but I feel like sometimes I like doing it my way. You know what I mean? Just Mm. you can always change things up and, you know, and try a different menu. And, like, now everybody seems to get their recipes off YouTube and I do that too. And there's so many different ways ways you can make those, like, foods that you're used to making and you know mum's way isn't the only way you can learn so (gasps) it's just gonna be so offended but (laughs) yeah yeah, I think you you take what your mum did and then you just sort of mold it into your own thing so you just you know you're improving on it and you're just kind of doing a different iteration Dami I read online that going into this season of Celebrity MasterChef you had tactics you kind of came in with a bit of a game plan can you explain that game plan for me okay well my game plan because I figured these judges that they're like professional chefs that they're so experienced in their food in their like Italian cuisine and French cuisine whatever I thought they're not Korean they don't know Korean cuisine I don't think they might but I yeah I thought yeah I know my Korean food probably better than all of them so I'll just do it and if it's not so good no one's gonna know you know (laughs) so yeah I mean you'll you'll get to see how that works out (laughs) that that was my my tactic and yeah I think I'm so clever (laughs) I love that your tactic wasn't like I'm gonna perfect Korean cooking and I'm gonna come in with my A game it was just like they'll never know the truth (laughs) yeah exactly like if they say something bad I'd be like this is traditional. This is from my region in Korea, in on the island somewhere. So, I, okay, I can I can tell you like some of that worked and some of that didn't. Right. And but I, I still do think like with sort of more mainstream, I don't know, like 
Australian, whatever. Yeah, like things that more mainstream Australians eat. I probably am like so my level is so low and basic. Like I I made my first lasagna for like last week. Okay. I, <laughs> I don't, that's not my thing or like making, I don't know, pasta. Like I would have gotten smashed. Like it wouldn't have gone well at all if I did that. So I really needed to find something that yeah, the judges didn't know. And also, yeah, I, I, I didn't realize, but I just grew up on a really Korean and I guess Asian fusion diet, even though I thought I was very like, oh, Australian growing up here. But no, apparently not. I would love to talk about your upbringing a bit more. In fact, Paul has a question about this that we were talking about this morning. But just before we get there, have you done this on any other reality shows, this tactic? Like, were you just <laughs> making songs up or just like <laughs> being like, la, la, feelings, nobody knows the lyrics. Like, have you, is oh, this a thing for you? <laughs> look, I would have loved to have done that, but I have done it like you know, singing a Korean song, for example, no one would know. And I, I actually, <laughs> I actually got to sing. I was listening to you guys speak to Julia Zamiro, lovely, mm. great episode. And I love Julia. She invited me to perform at the Adelaide Cabaret Festival when she was the the artistic director. And as part of my cabaret performance, I got to sing. Gangnam Style, do you remember that song? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I realised, okay, I'm learning my lyrics, but let's be real, no one's going to know if I just <laughs> made it up. So on the day, yeah, I, I really didn't care. And, and I just sort of, you know, it's it's a loose, loose memory, kind of loose version of the song and nobody knew and it was awesome. Right, so you just kind of made sounds that sound roughly <laughs> like the lyrics and, and no one really paid attention. I mean, were there any, you know, people who spoke the language in the audience going like, what is what is going on here? I actually said, hey, anyone speak Korean here? And there was nobody. So <laughs> I could do it with confidence. Great. <laughs> Everyone loved it. I've, I've been a fan for a long time now. I think you've just gone up to hero status in my mind i just love that you did that so much so every time now if you see me sing a song in another language you yeah now you're gonna know mm. all right great awesome. making that up i just love the idea of you cooking something you know dishing up something with kimchi and one of the judges winces and you're like what are you racist like do you not can't say that yeah. that's my home cooking what are you gonna do yeah no, yeah i i really had that up my sleeve i was like if that happens yeah I might just use that cart. (laughs) That's so great. Well, look, talking about growing up and eating food, when I was a kid, food, you know, you'd invite people over to your house, dummy, and you would hope that your mum just blew their minds with incredible cooking, right? Mm. So you moved across here when you were nine, correct? Yes. Yeah. So I can imagine like a nine-year-old dummy, you know, making friends, inviting people over. What were the reactions to your mum's cooking from, you know, Aussie kids? Oh, my gosh. So... Yeah, so I came here, I was in year five and not much English and I started to make friends at my school and I remember, yeah, I, I invited some friends. We went for a swim and our, like we lived in this like townhouse and there was a pool and it was so exciting and time for her to make lunch and she made us pasta, like tomato-based pasta, right? Mm. And be- because we thought that was, you know, that's like Western food, like that's what they eat here. But then they came over quite frequently and every single time she'd make them tomato pasta because we just thought that's what they eat. And <laughs> and then after a while, my best friend was like, why does your mom only make pasta? And that's the first time I realized, oh, it's 
they don't eat pasta for every meal here. <laughs> yeah, I think that was a bit of a cultural thing that we just didn't understand. I mean, I, I still don't know. Like, what do people, what do parents give um, when you go to the, I, I, I guess I remember they gave us like party pies and things like that. But it's, <laughs> it was a mystery to us. You know, you just like when you go to a foreign country, it's, it's like a stab in the dark. You just guess what they might eat yeah and yeah and then as I as we got used to living here mum started to you know make more of our food you know more kind of uh fried rice and kimchi and kimbap which is like Korean sushi and yeah I I packed those things for lunch and the kids loved it they wanted to steal it so oh that's really nice what theft (laughs) <laughs> well, no, the theft isn't good, but I, I, I think that it's lovely that, yeah, the other kids wanted to get involved, but especially sweet that your mum tried really hard to make all these other kids feel welcome. I think that's such a beautiful gesture. And bless her, she probably just really overthought it. Like with kids back then, you just get hundreds of thousands, mush them into some white bread, and then you're like, there you go, kids, eat it. Like, Yeah, speaking of which, I mean, what are the what are the Australian foods that you – I say Australian foods. What is our food identity? We've but got we, nothing. We've got nothing. Fairy bread is basically this abomination <laughs> that we came up with. And I was going to ask what you thought of, you know, the food over here when you when you arrived. Hmm, I – I do remember having my first meat pie. It was chicken pie and I, I really didn't like it. I'm like, why is this like mushy, salty thing inside this beautiful pastry? You know, it was just so weird. But now I'm obsessed. Like I love, we always have a, some frozen steak pepper pies in our freezer. It's like nice. our, our little secret <laughs> snack. But yeah, that was weird. And also I remember we went to you know, Movie World, my whole family, and we went to so many different theme parks when we first got here because my parents were trying to make us sort of enjoy the fact that we were here and we had to live here in a new place. And we uh, for lunch, dad went and bought these sandwiches and we're like, oh, chocolate, <laughs> chocolate sandwiches. And that was my first taste of Vegemite. And oh, oh no. my, oh, no. the whole family was just like, we were just, yeah, no one, everyone had a bite and go, what is wrong with this food? Like, what is this? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it's not chocolate. And we actually didn't <laughs> no. know what it was. And we just went, oh, Vegemite is confronting enough as it is. If you think Vegemite's going to be chocolate, oh boy, that's a roller coaster that you don't want to be on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that disappointment in that first bite. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it if that's the official quote on a Vegemite jar from Dummy M. <laughs> Disappointment. <Yep. laughs> you know what's going to happen? They're going to send you a crate with just oh, an, no. with just an apology on it. They're going to send you so much it. Vegemite. Yep. Oh, oh no. my god! Well, I'd love it if we could we could head back to Master Chef for a second. Mm. So. You have clearly, or I assume you've got right from the get-go a huge advantage over all of the other celebrities in there because you know how to operate under high-pressure reality television environments. I mean, that's your that's your jam. But what were some of the – was there anything in this filming process that surprised you or that you weren't expecting? I feel like because it was related with food up, I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. You know, normally when you're on a TV set and like reality TV set and it's a competition, it's like it's so intense. And if it's something to do with like my performance of singing or like even dancing, like it was just it is really stressful. Whereas 
with cooking. Like, even though it was still intense and quite stressful, I was also thinking, like, it's food. Like, I get to eat it at the end of this. And I think the first challenge was really stressful because, you know, it was no one had done it before. We just didn't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. Learning to use the equipment and that whole new environment on that film set was really intimidating. But then after that, we all realized that once it's over, we can all taste everybody's food. Like we just got into sort of the rhythm of it. And I really just enjoyed it, enjoyed the company of everybody else and just looking at what other people cooked. And, you know, when the other contestants really liked my food, that was really exciting. So, yeah, just the fact that we were playing with food food. It was just so exciting. I know it's really early days in the season, but if you had to eat one contestant's food for the rest of your life, I mean, this is kind of what we do on this show. We put you in terrible scenarios. <laughs> no win scenarios, yeah. No win scenarios. But if you had to just pick one of your fellow contestants on MasterChef and go, right, like I'm going to have Thorpey's food for the rest of my life or Dill's for the rest of my life, who would you choose? Mm, that's a good question. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss I you know what I actually loved everything that Chrissy Swan was cooking really that's awesome because her food was like real real kind of comfort food you know what I mean like when she, because she actually cooks for her family like a, her huge family every day it wasn't fancy food but there were things that I would just eat every day like big bits of cake and I, I won't reveal everything but it was just like real home food that you'd want your mum to be cooking like maybe if my mum was a real Australian then then maybe she'd cook like Chrissy Swan like if she was my mum I would be so happy oh that's a really lovely that's a really lovely take on it actually yeah just that simple comfort food that yeah I, I, I mean sometimes you're right you come home and you don't necessarily crave the fanciest dish on the planet you just want food that is a hug yeah but I thought uh because you're <laughs> Because you're a star, I thought you were going to go, you know what? Mine. I'll eat my cooking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no way. I do that every day and it's like, it's boring now. It's boring. And right. I, I and I really, I don't, I have really cheap taste, I think. I'm not a big fan of high-end dining. Like I get bored too easily. I need things to come out quickly and in big portions. And if it's yummy, I find, yeah, those really basic foods the most comforting, you know? Yeah. I, I'm just not fancy, hey, in my taste. And I think maybe that maybe that was that wasn't a good thing for MasterChef maybe in the pros <laughs> like it, when I think about it I'm like oh yeah they're really fancy chefs on the you know on the judging panel but I was always like eh, you know like my standards I felt everything was so different and I'm like oh this person's food was really good but they said it was bad what happened I, it was just I don't know just taste buds 
I, I have real basic, uh, yeah, real pleb pleb like taste buds. So, <laughs> oh yeah. god, you got to you got to talk yourself up. But I'm- somehow I don't. Yeah, I, I I don't think I associate anything to do with you as pleb. It does. I suppose it makes me feel nice knowing that you've gone in and I don't know. There's one thing that Dami Im isn't amazingly instantly fantastic at. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just imagining you on tour, and now that you've kind of revealed that you have, and I'm quoting you here, pleb tastes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sitting here and going, what do you like on tour? Because if you finish a gig and, you know, it's 2 a.m. and you're on your way back to the hotel, what is your go-to guilty on tour food? You know, like when you're on tour, you you finish late and after you do a show, you don't really get a big choice. And I mean, I, I guess if you're staying at a nice hotel, you could get a fancy room service, but even then, mm. but usually, <laughs> oh my God, I feel like people are going to judge me, but it was really exciting the other time or when I actually got to tour this year, which was like once <laughs> there was a Taco Bell nearby and that oh. was so exciting. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's that's that's the level of plebness I'm talking about here. Taco Bell, exciting. McDonald's, yeah, it's still exciting. Right, <laughs> but are you sending photos of of, of uh, you know like a Taco Bell taco? She's with... already said that that was a yes, Paul. Yes, there but is... I, I'd assume, dummy, I assumed we were talking some sort of bougie blue corn fancy thing, and you're saying that it's two a.m. and you're exhausted. You've your mascara's running, and you're sending your best friends photos with no context of bad tacos sitting sweating in a paper basket. <laughs> Not bad. Come on. They're tasty. They're tasty. I mean, yeah, if it's warm and if it's, I don't know. Oh, I th- see, like, my my standards are really low, I think. but And that's something I learned on MasterChef. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, sometimes, like, honestly, so many times I was like, hey, that tastes really good. And then they're like, no, the judge said it sucked. I'm like, oh, oh, no. I, I don't get it, you know. Do you think that you will change how you approach food coming out of MasterChef? Is there anything that you've learned where you've gone right from now on? I'm, I'm going to approach this through a Chrissy Swan lens or that I'm going to do this when I'm in the kitchen. What has it changed? Oh, it definitely did. So after we filmed the show earlier this year, I became so much more interested in cooking not just Korean food but like I I said you know making my first lasagna for example like I wouldn't have even thought about doing that you know you just you buy that stuff I cook Korean meals but I buy everything else I think and I went and thought this is all doable you know I I saw other people do it I saw uh, the judges were teaching us like they were trying really hard to help us because I think they felt sorry for us that (laughs) 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 not even joking like yeah, like we were, we had really varying degrees of competence in the kitchen. And, and the, yeah, judges are teaching us the basics of how to cook steak and how to cook a good fish. And behind the scenes, like without the cameras on, they were teaching us how to make pasta from scratch and ice cream. Like it was really such a precious time. And I, I came home and I, I tried all those things. And yeah, I, yeah, so lucky. Did you learn to plate up? I mean, because presentation can hide a multitude of sins, right? Yes. How did you learn to make things look good? That was the other thing. I would never do that before MasterChef. I thought plating was the biggest waste of time. You know, like it's going to all go in your stomach. So <laughs> what's like, what's the point? And you don't, don't waste anything. Just put it in there and make it taste good. But who cares about the colors and whatever? But I, yeah, I learned sort of why people do it. Like it makes you feel really good when you 
when you're finished with the dish and it's it just looks it's got a shiny bit of what do you call like sauce on it or puree or or bits of parsley leaves sprinkled on top like I never used to really do that and yeah so that's something I started doing and yeah I love impressing people now with my parsley bits <laughs> spring parsley on everything even if it works or not you know it's interesting everyone knows how good your dress sense is when you're performing I mean is that not the same thing is it you know you're taking something that you do really well and you are giving it like a garnish so that visually people go oh wow and they pay more attention mm, that's an interesting way of looking at it that yeah I didn't I've never really thought of it like that but that makes so much sense because when I'm performing or I'm making a music video or photo shoot mm. I do really care about the presentation like it's so important I go through so many different you know ideas and reference photos and I talk with the experts and we come up with something great but when I'm not working when I'm at home or when I'm just going out to see friends I don't really put that effort in there the the difference is huge between something I care about and something that's real life you know so with with food if it's something I'm preparing for say MasterChef competition or for like important guests yes I would now now I can say I'd go go that extra step and try and make it look good as good as possible I'd look at a hundred different pictures on Google to you know get ideas whereas if it's me and my husband I would just throw it together and it looked (laughs) gross but he would he would have to say it looks great anyway so it's fine what I love hearing though is that you know as you said you only cooked lasagna for the first time last week and there are just so many things that you've not tried about I guess this western style of cooking I wouldn't know where to start with Korean I don't know what the basic ingredients are I don't know what my my, you know the best in is for Korean cooking what would you say for people like me who just haven't really been exposed? Like, if you thought there was one dish that could really sum up the Korean food experience, what would that dish be? Korean food is kimchi. Mm. So uh, for those that don't know, kimchi is like this fermented cabbage usually. could be other vegetables like radishes or spring onion. But yeah, normally cabbage and it's, it's red because it's got lots of chilies on it. And it's, yeah, it's fermented. So it, it's a bit like sauerkraut but spicy and really flavorful so we eat that with everything like every meal basically and I actually saw this TikTok trend that's a thing now everybody's eating Korean food like kimchi and Korean seaweed that's cool yeah so Korean food's having a little moment which is really exciting for me never it wasn't like that when I was growing up nobody knew anything about it yeah just some warm rice with the kimchi and the Korean seaweed that's seasoned with sesame oil and salt. And that's kind of the basic, like that taste, that combination just tastes amazing. From there, you can add other stuff like, you know, your meat or whatever. But I I would say try that. It's so easy. You just buy the seaweed and the kimchi and make some rice and that's the taste of Korea, I reckon. It sounds like fermentation and pickling are kind of a big deal in Korean food. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, and the sauces, actually. I think Korean food is all the same. Like, it, the, the ingredients are the same once you start to make it. Like, they all, I mean, it's not the same, obviously. Like, everything looks different. But the ingredient, basic ingredients, it's all to do with, apart from kimchi, there's 
gochujang, which is a fermented chili paste. It's like this smoky, thick chili paste. And the other one is doenjang, which is a fermented soy paste, a bit like the Japanese miso that you used to make soup with, mm. but a little more earthy and a bit stronger, I think. Um, and soy sauce, of course. And you can make pretty much every Korean dish, soup or meat or other vegetable things using those ingredients. And you rocked up to MasterChef with just a backpack of each of those, right? And just or, <laughs> or did you kind of give them a shopping list? Like, do you go, I, I will need these items, thank you very much. So we actually uh, did get to give them a shopping list. Like, no, we've got everything here, we can find everything. But mm. I actually didn't trust them, so I did bring <laughs> bring a bag full of these ingredients. Yeah. Oh, that's so lovely. I can imagine you rocking up with, like, your little reusable coals <laughs> bag. Like, guys, I've done my own shopping. I, yeah, and I was going to bring my own rice cooker, but they're like, no. <laughs> don't do that we've got like everything heaps here but it did turn out that the cooker was different to what i had at home and it's yeah that was that was hard oh you right. should have brought your own that would have been amazing i know but it's humongous it's like the size of a you know a big what, do you, what would you say like a big speaker so it's pretty heavy. <laughs> Maybe it was. Just bring a speaker anyway. Just play your own music. You know, <laughs> be that person in the kitchen. I'm sitting here going, all right, because part of me, dummy, is going, why would you do this apart from – because it's a very high-stress thing, but you weren't just doing it, you know, because it would be fun. One of the things that the winner of um, Celebrity MasterChef gets is $100,000 given to a charity of their choice, yeah? Yep. So my charity of choice was Compassion. Um, so I – Compassion is a bit like World Vision where you get to uh, sponsor a, like a one-on-one child sponsorship for a kid living in poverty around the world. Mm. And I've been sponsoring with Compassion since I was 17. Oh, wow. And, yeah, I, and since then I had the privilege of actually going over there to meet my sponsor kids in India and Uganda and in, in the Philippines and – the work they do with these kids, it's its so wonderful. I, I really loved the fact that the locals actually do the work. They Compassion employs the locals to care for their own community rather than an outsider coming in and trying to save them. So it really empowers the whole community and everybody just really loves the support of Compassion and they can really pick up the community and give hope to some some remote place that otherwise have no hope of breaking away from this chain of poverty so yeah i love that i get to be talking about them through masterchef i've actually seen the footage uh this beautiful video that's online of you meeting your sponsor child in uganda this absolutely beautiful little girl and you can just immediately see the connection that you both have i can imagine that you carry these children with you in your mind and in your heart a lot of the time because they you can tell that they're very very special to you yeah, I yeah, I've really loved meeting all the kids and I I think about them a lot and yeah, in Uganda, little Jovia, she was like so cheeky. You 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 get to know them through writing letters, but when I actually got to meet her, I realized she's just another little kid, you know, yeah. she's the same as anyone you see in Australia. She just even though she lived in this slum and in such tough conditions she was just so cheeky just playing pranks on us and you know putting on my sunglasses and it, we just had so much fun and yeah I, I just love that you know they get a good chance of leaving that that um 
cycle. So. Oh, well, I hope you do really well just so that you can deliver all this money to your charity. But it is so wonderful that you're able to give them so much exposure. That said, you're not going to get a lot of exposure from this point on because you are trapped on our island uh, for the rest of eternity, which is just, you know, such oh, a no. shame because I'm sure you had gigs on the horizon. Oh. They're all cancelled now. Yeah, they're cancelled anyway. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Although actually this island is the next uh, venue for uh, the next Eurovision. So you can still do that. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's really cool. handy. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Only that counts. But while you're here on our island, you can only bring one dish with you that you will eat for the rest of time. And the variety of dishes is getting quite wild now as the population on our island on our island grows. Mm. Um, but I'm so curious to hear what dish you would like to contribute to <laughs> to the fray. Hmm. One dish. So I can eat this only eat this dish for the rest of my life? Is that- That's correct. Having said that, Dami, I'm of the opinion that uh, all the rest of the guests, you can trade dishes. Oh, that's not bad. Well, you can create like an economy because someone's going to have something <laughs> that you want, right? So, I mean, we've already got two Hainanese chicken rice. Two Hainanese chicken rice. There's oh, a Linza yeah. tort. Uh, yeah couple of uh, toasted sandwiches, one filled with leftover pasta, the other one, classic oh. ham, cheese and tomato. Yeah. So, you know, there's a, there's a fair bit of stuff, but there is no Korean food on Dish Island. I see. So I'll have something of value that people want to trade <laughs> with. Okay. Yeah. Love it. Once again, you're coming in with tactics. I love it. I am. I am. So it would have to be something to do with kimchi because I can't live without kimchi. I really hope that the other residents are kind of open-minded to know like to want to try kimchi if they don't know it because otherwise but but i'm also happy to be eating this on my own for the rest of my life i would bring a kimchi fried rice you cannot go wrong with that oh amazing do you have a do you have a recipe like a go-to recipe for kimchi fried rice is this like a family thing that was passed down or have you kind of figured one out for yourself that you think is perfect i i actually did learn this from my mom and i guess every family does it differently but i mean it's fried rice like it's not rocket science but my mom just puts in kimchi and she uh, pan fries it with uh, some sort of meat or ham or something and then put in vegetables, on like lots of onions because that makes it sweet, the whole thing, without adding sugar in it. And then rice and for the sauce, you put in some soy sauce and a little bit of oyster sauce and you top it with a fried egg and that is my beautiful childhood favorite dish and still my favorite how much kimchi are you putting in this in this dish oh like half of it would be kimchi (laughs) (laughs) but kimchi the bad thing is it it does smell bad when i buy kimchi from a shop and bring it home Mm. the whole car stinks like fart and like even though i love kimchi i still don't like the smell of it so i just love the idea that people in the kitchen at master chef started referring to you as the, as the fart lady in the corner with that never would have happened <laughs> well no she's in the castle with like fart there's no reason to i mean you could fill the kitchen with that smell pretty quick right yeah oh i mean it was a huge kitchen mm. so it was okay but you know yeah the actually the judges were loving the kimchi they were just like it was my ingredient and Andy started just picking at it. I'm like, dude, I need that. I need this stuff. <laughs> well, that is a good sign, though. That is a really good sign when they're yeah, eating it before you've even played it up. Very positive. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm now convinced that you're, you are going to be 
like the pick of the island now because like we said no one's got kimchi that dish sounds amazing Tegan and I are going to have to go and try and cook that now I think yeah we're going to have a real time with that but I'm, I'm sure it will come together I'm feeling positive yeah definitely do it yeah kimchi I'm a big advocate for kimchi and I feel like I I might have done that too much on the show as well I'm really scared that I'd be that annoying kimchi lady on the show just going get kimchi get kimchi you, it's like you've just got a very strong campaign message boo veggie might yay kimchi it's, it's clear <laughs> oh yeah I, I don't I think I'll get some hate for that though from yeah the vegemite lovers oh please if I had to pick kimchi or vegemite I, I've loved kimchi for, for many years and I've hated vegemite so yeah I would vote for you if you really? ever ran for office oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you're not a real Aussie no <laughs> I am certainly not, but that's cool because we live on a different island now, and this one's a hellscape, and it's a, it's not a democracy. So uh, we're really happy you're here, and we're just so glad you could join us on the island. And yeah, welcome, and thank you for coming today to Dish Island. Thank you so much for having me, guys. What a treat that was, Paul, but I cannot believe that Dami has not only been faking her way through the Celebrity MasterChef kitchen, but that she makes up lyrics in songs. She's an inspiration to all of us. But I've got to ask, Paul, mm. have you ever faked anything in your career? Well, at one point on my resume, mm-hmm. I put down that I could play guitar. Now, I don't know why, I just felt like my skill set was pretty narrow and I needed to kind of diversify a bit. And thankfully, by the time I got big enough to have a proper resume with actual credits on it, I could just quietly delete guitar from the bottom. What about you? I once sent off a CV with a pretty bad spelling error on it once. Right. I, instead of saying that I was available for a job interview at any time, I accidentally said that I was available for a gob interview at any time. <laughs> Are you serious? Serious. You get any calls? I... <laughs> no, um, I did though once. Uh, I said on my acting CV that I could swim. And I put that on specifically because I was auditioning for a role on, God, what was it called? It had mermaids in it. I think it was called H2O. Yes, yes, H2O yes. H2O Just Add Water or something oh, like that. Yeah. So I was auditioning to be one of the lesser important mermaids. Mm. Didn't get it, but I told them that I could swim. And I'm so grateful that I didn't get that role. Because I cannot swim. That seems like the worst idea of all time. <laughs> and speaking of the worst idea of all time, do we get 10 segue points for that? That was a good segue. Yeah, great. Speaking of the worst idea of all time, next week's guest on Dish Island is the wonderful Tim Bat. He's the co-host of the incredible podcast, The Worst Idea of All Time, which is a podcast in which Tim and his friend Guy sit down every week and watch the same film over and over and over. Now, they've done this with a whole bunch of movies, including Sex and the City 2, which means I think Tim's endurance is pretty high so he is going to make an excellent fit for Dish Island. So don't miss it. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Dish Island. Dish Island is a proud member of the ACAST Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.